Leafs will host the Canadians tonight in their season opener at Scotiabank Arena at full capacity. 20,000 people cheek to jowl. If they're eating a hot dog, if they are drinking a beer, they will be probably cheering along. And, uh, yeah, it's a double standard for sure. And it makes restaurant owners hopping mad because they're trying to be as safe as possible. And this is going on down the street. John Sinopoli is partner and executive chef with the Ascari Hospitality Group. John, 24 hours ago, you and I spoke uh, right before your virtual meeting with Tourism and Culture Minister Lisa McLeod. Uh, so it was a couple hours to go to the meeting. And I said, hey, can you... Can you uh, check in with us tomorrow and let us know how that meeting went? Because it was about the survival of the restaurant industry. She didn't show up. Can you uh, tell us what you're not supposed to tell us? Apparently, a staffer told you not to talk to the media. Well, yeah, the staffer asked if we would not litigate this in the press and in the media, but at the same time offered us nothing. Like, they came to the meeting completely ill-prepared, They had two lines, which was, we're working on a contour of a plan that we're going to start. Basically, we said, well, what's the plan? They don't have a plan yet. They said, we don't know what the plan is. We're working on it. We said, well, when are we going to hear this plan? And they had no date for us. So they were very quick to make a plan for Scotiabank Arena and all the other concert venues and all these places that play live music and have live sports. But they didn't really give a second thought to the rest of the industry that employs 450,000 people in this province and has 30,000 plus operators that are now deep in debt and on hanging on by a thread. And they're basically ushering us off the cliff of bankruptcy as quick as they can. John, you know, we, we painted out the scenario for restaurants like yours uh, yesterday, and I think uh, you touched on some important points Can you describe what happened and when you realized during that virtual meeting that Lisa McLeod was going to be a no-show and just, you know, how you felt? Yeah, it was right off the beginning when the organizers uh, uh, said that, you know, unfortunately due to a scheduling conflict, Minister McLeod's not going to be here. And then another uh, one of our members, an industry stakeholder, the CEO of of one of the largest restaurant advocacy groups in the country said, hang on a second. She just told me this morning, she might be a few minutes late. Now she's not going to show. Where was she? This is a meeting that yes, as a group was requested by a restaurant groups, but, and, and but was scheduled by the ministry. Yeah. But you said you had to jump through a lot of hoops. Like you guys were reaching out all weekend, your Thanksgiving oh, yeah. weekend with several yeah. of you reaching out and saying, can we do something? Can we meet? This is, this is not going to work for us. And we really need said, to discuss this. She said to restaurants, Canada, she says, let's meet and figure out a path forward. And then decided to stand in front of a camera for a photo op in an Ottawa soon to be hospital, which by the way, is not even her portfolio. So that was, that photo op was more important than discussing the fate of our industry in a crisis moment. How long did the call last with the staffer? Uh, It was multiple. So it wasn't just one staffer. It was chief of staff for two ministries. It was a number of their team. It was a deputy minister for tourism and hospitality. So it's not like there was no one of influence on the call. The problem is when we're in this moment, we need the decision maker on the call. And they decided they don't want to face the music. The call lasted about 20 or 30 minutes. And what was what was covered during the call? Was it mainly where is she? Who's going to talk to us? Or did you? uh, Once once we figured out she wasn't going to join the meeting, we move forward, of course. 
but we asked very pointed questions like, where is the data and evidence to support the decision you're making to keep restaurants restricted? And, and what were you told? There was no answer. There was no answer. What do you mean there was no answer? There were twice during time, there was twice, two moments in the meeting where people, stakeholders asked questions of these chiefs of staff who one would think are fully in the know of everything going on in their industry, in their, in their departments rather. And there was at least 30 to 45 seconds of complete silence until we said, like, seriously, you're not going to answer the question. And there was no response. Wow. I mean, like you had actually punctuated yesterday on this very show, and I know they tune into this show because Doug Ford used to call, the premier used to call the show to get on the air. So I know that they are listening. You said that you wanted data for the decision, uh, why the decision was made yesterday. So they knew that that question could be coming up. Because they've claimed that restaurants are still too dangerous, apparently, but you can scream and shout with 19,000 other people with no mask on because you got a beer in your hand at, at the game. Or even worse, there are three or four restaurants in Scotiabank Arena, not part of the heavily ventilated bowl of the arena. When you go inside underneath the stands, everyone knows there's the Platinum Club, there's the Hot Stove, there's all these restaurants. They are just like us. They have a liquor license just like us. They are licensed the same way we are. They are, they are not a huge venue. They are a sit-down restaurant. Those restaurants have zero restrictions. They can sit to full capacity in there. What? But, Wait, I don't understand that. How, because they're just under the umbrella of a building that's allowing full capacity? Right? Does that make any sense? So those people can sit and have their wow. steak and have their wine with no, no distancing restrictions. But we can't. Because Do you think there's some favoritism going on right now with the government, um, with uh, corporations that have a lot of money? Does it even have to be said? Their actions speak louder than words. They didn't even make a plan for us, but they, they made sure that there was no capacity restrictions before the first night of the season. So don't tell me that that is a, a data-driven safety concern that they decided, oh, just three days before the start of the season. Oh, it looks like uh, the data says that we can put 20,000 people in a room screaming and yelling at a game, but we can't have a hundred people in a dining room enjoying a dinner. By the way, I think it's important to say that according uh, to capacity limits, it's not that there's capacity limits on restaurants. It, you're limited by physical distancing rules, right? Can you right. expand on that? Sure. How, how that affects your restaurants? Right. So the current regulation is that you cannot seat tables or groups of people more than six, closer than six feet apart. So, for example, in our, we have three restaurants in our company, and in our one King Street restaurant where we normally sit 110 people, because of capacity limits, we can't sit the bar, we can't sit people more than six feet apart, closer than six feet apart. We only can fit about 50, 60 seats in that room. So we're ver- basically at 50 percent capacity. We don't make money like that. And it all depends on the shape of your room. Like it's, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever because you can have 20 people at a table, but you can't have two, two, two groups of two more than six feet apart. 
John, you know, I know people in the restaurant industry uh, because we've talked about it before and I just feel for everybody. And I just think about what the basements and the hallways look like in your restaurants right now with tables and chairs everywhere because oh. you've got to right. store them somewhere. And that's something that people don't think about. And you only have so much room to store your dry goods. Of course. We're, we're, it's not like we have huge storage lockers attached to our facilities. Rent is expensive. We use every square inch of our spaces to maximize our operation. We don't like we don't have storage facilities for all these extra tables and chairs. You're right. They're stuffing our basements and the backs of our kitchens and places where we would normally store our wine and our beer and our dry goods. And it's a, frankly a bit of a hazard, but you know what? Mm-hmm. We've been doing it without complaint willingly for months and months and months. We have done our part as an industry. We have done our part as an industry to, to protect the health and safety of the citizens of this province, and we've done it willingly for the most part. 95% of operators follow the rules and because those rules made sense. And now that they don't make any sense, and we've been given no reason, yet a whole other group of huge corporations are allowed to have different rules. I think a lot of people in this industry are considering whether it's time to stop following the rules. Yeah, so what you're saying, John, is you think people are going to start uh, taking matters in their own hands, looking at what's going on at Scotiabank Arena, where those survival. restaurants, yeah, where those restaurants are, are allowed, yeah, are allowed to have as many people in as they want, as they want. Yeah, if they don't, they go bankrupt. And and we're, and and we're like, you don't want to be in contravention of the law. Of course not. We're all law-abiding, respect respectable business owners, and 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 members of, the, of a community that we care deeply about. But at what point? does it become just ludicrous where we're being, there's no more subsidies from the federal government because the federal government basically assumes that we're going to be able to open without restrictions because look at the numbers, you know, we're under 600 cases every day for like the last week and a half or more. The schools have not caused a massive spike in cases. Uh, being able to go to Blue Jays games of 30,000 people have not, has not caused a major spike in cases. And we all know why. It's because we have a successful vaccination program. And that vaccination program, which we have waited for and then participated in with, with, with a lot of uh, gusto in our industry, should be what is allowing us to be open. But for some unknown reason, people in the provincial government still think restaurants are a danger. And that is part of the challenge we face even with convincing people it's safe to come out. The government spent hundreds of millions of dollars telling people not to go out. Where is the money supporting our industry to tell them to come back in? You're saying that uh, the government could see itself faced with civil disobedience. It's for a matter of survival. What would that look like? Restaurants just adding tables back to dining rooms in order to survive, John? That's exactly right. Exactly right. Do you expect that you'll hear from the Ford government now that you've been on the show? I'm I'm sorry. Do you expect that you guys will be hearing from the Ford government now that you've been on the show and you guys are making the rounds in the media? Uh, One would hope. One would hope that they understand that we're not going away. They can't just not show up to meetings and expect us to fold and say, walk away with our tail between our legs and say, oh, well, like we have our entire lives and life savings invested in our businesses. Some of those operators at that, on that call yesterday employ 5,000 people. 
and they don't know what to do. So we're at a complete loss as to why this government continues to treat us with such disrespect that it's almost the same thing as what happened with small retailers last year and Costco's and Walmart's allowed to open, but small retailers were shuttered closed. All they hear is the voice of huge big dollars. That's all they hear. It's like they put earplugs in when the normal everyday citizen that, by the way, voted them into power. Corporations don't vote, FYI. But all of those people who voted them in, mainly small business owners, by the way, you think they've lost that room? I think they've lost that room. John, I want to thank you for your time. I hear the frustration. I, 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 I feel for you guys. I want you to keep us abreast of what's going on because I anticipate we're going to hear something from the Ford government and toot sweet because this is unacceptable. Thank you so much for joining us. Kelly, thanks so much for the time. Cheers. John Sinopoli, partner and executive chef with the Ascari Hospitality Group.